What's up, guys? Welcome to Good Bad 2, the sequel. This is the show where we have a good time watching bad movies. I am your host, John, and I am alone today. Uh, for the first time ever, I'm going to give this a shot solo. Danielle left me for the weekend to go to San Diego uh, because she found a sexy-ass car. So um, she's on her way back. And I thought I would give it a crack at doing the show by myself today. So, if you hate it, get at us at the Good Bad Show and let me know how uh, terrible it is. And if it's awesome, then let me know that too. At the Good Bad Show on Instagram, that is where you can vote to figure out what movie we're going to cover. This week, uh, Battle Los Angeles beat out 2012 in the disaster movie Showdown. Um, so you can go vote for next week's movies at The Good Bad Show. You guys can find the podcast everywhere where they got podcasts. We're on Apple, Google, Spotify, anywhere there's podcasts, you can find us. Go over there, hit the subscribe button so you don't miss anything. Okay, like I said, we are covering Battle Los Angeles uh, this week. I went into this movie not knowing a single goddamn thing about it. I didn't know who was in it. I didn't, all I knew is that I passed it on Netflix literally every day. Um, but I didn't know what the plot was. I knew I went into it 100% blind. Um, and I am going to break down whether or not it was good, bad, or just bad. I'm going to give you the awards. I'll let you know what the, my bold statement, what I thought was the worst line, what was the best line. Uh, who was the worst performance? Who was the MVP? What was the unredeemable moment? I'll give you my favorite part. I'm going to give it a better title, and then I'll decide if it's good, bad, or just bad. But before we get into all that, I'm going to break down the plot and poke holes where there's holes to poke. Um, so this is this is basically uh, a movie out of its era. This movie came out in 2011, which is like the, the second or third time we've been in 2011 recently, which is weird. Um, and it belongs in 1997. It, this movie would have been the biggest blockbuster of the late 90s. This movie would have crushed Armageddon in, in the box office. This, this movie just came out too late, honestly. Um, but... It's it's a America versus space movie, um, just like any any of those other ones, um, and it's definitely got its faults. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna break those down. So firstly, it tells you that this movie takes place in August of 2011. When are movies filmmakers gonna learn that don't don't put the date. Don't, don't, if it's in the future, uh, or, or, or the present, just don't put the date because immediately that becomes irrelevant. So now this, this movie is stuck in 2011, which these events did not happen as we sit here in 2020. I mean, it, it feels like they're happening in 2020. Actually, this movie may have been a documentary about 2020. Um, all you have to do is not put the date and let people presume that it's the future. It, it's, it's really that simple. But the, the news is breaking down the fact that uh, Earth has been invaded by aliens and they're taking over literally everywhere. Um, the CGI right away is 
awful. I mean, this movie looks like somebody made it on their iPhone. The the CGI does. Like it it looks like a filter. It, it looks like an Instagram filter from the explosions to the aliens, um, even like smoke and cars and certain just like ambient objects are, are CG and they're it's trash. This CG is on the same level of Green Lantern, which also came out in 2011. I don't know if there was a computer shortage in 2011 or, or what the deal is, but both of these movies look fucking terrible. And considering that they came after uh, Iron Man and they came... At, like We always go back to this. Jurassic Park was in 1993. By 2011, there is no excuse for a movie to look this bad. Um, the the CGI in this, the the aliens, the spaceships, every single time something fake is on screen, it's really jarring. Like it took it took me a long time to just like settle into that and get over it. Um, but yeah, so they go they go 24 hours back in time, also unnecessary. I don't I don't I don't get why we ha- are having this run lately of movies that start out at one period of time and then jump backwards. It's never necessary. It never serves the plot, so I don't know why it's why it's happening. But it seems to be a trope that that is uh, common on the show. Speaking of tropes, you're gonna hear that word a lot because this movie is latent with them. Um, like I said, this movie is just out of its era. It should have been a '90s movie because it has any any movie with Stallone or Schwarzenegger or one of those kind of guys this is this follows that recipe they just put a little bit of a modern twist on it so we meet Aaron Eckhart who is the star of the movie he's staff sergeant i don't know it doesn't matter <laughs> uh, and they give you the basically this the same intro that is in commando it's just it's just subverted a little bit so he's he's running uh, on the beach and his whole um, his whole company passes him up cause he's, cause he's old, you see. And then, and then he goes into, to work to basically give his notice and, uh, his superior is telling him like, Oh, you have a, you have a box full of metals. And so this is hero qualifiers, right? This is the same thing as, as Troutman lifted, listing off Rambo's accomplishments. Like they, they tell you right away that this guy he might be old and slow, but he's completely badass because of his his accommodations and his box full of medals. Um, and then he he puts in his notice, and and it's his last day on the job. But th- this is five minutes into the movie. Obviously, it is not his his last day on the job, right? So that you always have to have the hero who gets qualified uh, by a superior, and then they they reluctantly have to get pulled into the plot into the action. And then the next thing is setting up the supporting cast who you know right off the bat. You you have a guy that's uh, wedding shopping. Um, you have a guy that is uh, uh, like just golfing and being like the, the cut up, the nice guy. And then you have like the little the little gathering party that's going on. And one of them is like a virgin. And I just wrote down all of these guys are going to die. They're, they're trying to do Predator. They're trying to set up all the cast make you like them immediately and you know for a fact every last one of them is gonna die um the cast of this movie is really 
bland. Like I couldn't tell most of the people apart, honestly. They they all looked basically the same. They're, once they're in uniform, there's no distinguishing characteristics between hardly any of them. Like you you notice Michelle Rodriguez, um, you can tell obviously like the the white guys from the black guys. But besides that, you can't you can't make out specific characters other than Aaron Eckhart and his butt chin. Um, that dude has got the most pronounced cleft chin I think I've ever seen. Like he can blow his nose and wipe his ass at the same time. He is he is a a like cartoon superhero looking motherfucker, and he he actually kills in this movie. I thought. Um, so yeah, they set up the cast. You know they're gonna die. It's basically like a Friday the Thirteenth movie. Uh, just set them up and knock them down, and then you you have the the uh, Armageddon style slow reveal of the plot now to the cast they start realizing what's going on like in zombie movies and disaster movies there's always like the news and the radio have been talking about the disaster for the last like several hours and the cast is completely oblivious right they're like you know will smith goes out to get the newspaper in independence day and that's when he realizes that there's that there's aliens this is another trope like the the uh, main character who doesn't realize that the world is ending trope. So your 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 main cast, your soldiers, um, start paying attention to the news and they start realizing that these meteors that they've been talking about, which are going to land, they said, out off the coast of eight major cities. So you're telling me that everyone thought that this meteor shower, every single meteor was going to land off the coast. Like, just randomly was going to be off the coast and only of major cities. Okay, sure. Yeah, I buy that. So, you know, obviously it's aliens. So so you have your hero getting pulled back into action. They, they're not going to let him leave. They, like, he has, to, he has to come join up. Um, and not only that, but he's going to answer to a lieutenant that's 20 years younger than him. Like, just trope city. It's, it's, it's hilariously tropey. Uh, and you you know right off the bat that this young lieutenant's gonna lose it and he's not gonna be able to to handle it even though he's you know cocksure the whole time. Uh, they so they're they're on this scary helicopter ride where they're all starting to realize what's happening and they're seeing the aliens and and they're seeing that that it's that they're hostile and the CG is so bad it's like shadowy and jumpy there's like a glitchy kind of filters over it to kind of cover up how bad it looks it's brutal um and then they they land where they're going on the the base they called it a fob i don't know what that's short for there's so much military jargon in this movie that i don't understand and that they do not explain um and so they land and the whoever's in charge tells them all right we're gonna blow up santa monica (laughs) the step one like literally no conversation there was no like a bunch of old guys in uh the pentagon talking to the president like what do we do literally aaron heckart lands and his superior goes we're gonna blow up santa monica like the aliens have been here for 15 minutes and their their very first reaction is we got to get rid of Santa Monica. We just got to blow it off the map. So they tell him, you got three hours. And then, then, then the nuke, I guess, is incoming. And everyone just goes, okay, they just accept that. And they go running off into Santa Monica to uh, clear out the civilians, I guess, is what they're supposed to do. 
this no one reacts appropriately to this the whole the whole company or troop or whatever they are the whole squad they're like there's a there's a difference between just being hardened like war hardened and and not reacting whatsoever to the fact that you're running into santa monica to fight aliens before it gets blown up by your own military they they are acting like they're in any regular war movie and it, I thought that was really funny. Like they're just nonplussed about the whole situation. Um, so, so you don't see the aliens this entire time. It's like foggy and smoky. And um, I, I thought we were going to go a whole movie without seeing the aliens at this point. Uh, they get, they get in, they finally get engaged by the aliens. And it turns out that the aliens have guns, like, like AR-15s, like M-16s, regular, regular human machine guns is what they're using, I guess. And the camera for this whole gunfight is handheld. You you cannot tell what the fuck is going on. Like it is, I, I had to pause it multiple times because I was actually getting like motion sickness. That hasn't happened to me in a movie since like Blair Witch Project. This is a really really bad movie making decision. Like it it works in like a Born Identity or something like that. In this, I just, I couldn't even tell what was going on. I didn't even really want to be looking at the, at the screen. It was jarring and uncomfortable and it was actually making me nauseous. I had to like break it up in sections. If I wasn't reviewing it for you, I, I wouldn't have kept watching, honestly. I would have I fast forwarded through that or just stopped the movie entirely. Um, and, and of course they're in the middle of this super intense gunfight. And just like I predicted, the young Lieutenant just can't, he can't handle it. He starts cracking and, and he's freezing up and Aaron Eckhart has to like, uh, you know, kind of smack him around and get him to like get his head in the game. And they go and they hold up in a, in a, in just a civilian's house. And the, the, this is where you find the first, uh, aliens because some, somebody from their unit gets uh engaged by one of them and i was like oh shit they're robots like they they look like they look like ed 209 from robocop if ed 209 was a basketball player instead of a middle linebacker they're, they're basically like tall stretched out ed 209s but but they're not robots they're they're uh organic i don't i'm not a biology teacher i don't i don't they're 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 squishy <laughs> they're they're made of meat i don't know how to <laughs> i don't know how to state this um i think they're wearing armor maybe or maybe they are part armor it's not really clear um but uh, they they find Michael Pena and his family, which is uh, weird. This movie actually has a um, a cast like uh, Aaron Eckhart and Michelle Rodriguez and Michael Pena and Michelle Moynihan and like a bunch of high, not highly paid, but but a cast that costs more money than it should because this is essentially a sci-fi movie. Um, which which and and Michelle Rodriguez and Michael Pena didn't really bring any like gravitas to the movie, so that was kind of. It was just kind of odd to see them pop up in this. Um, but they they grab one of the aliens and they pull it into, uh, I think, a police station or something where they'll hold up because they want to learn how to kill them. So Aaron Eckhart starts just digging, digging into it with like his bare hands, this like wounded alien, and he's trying to find how to kill it. We, we need to talk about this. He, he's like, uh, 
pulls it in and uh, he's like, we need to figure out how to kill it. <laughs> and Michelle Moynihan steps up and she goes, <laughs> she goes, I think I can help. I'm a veterinarian. I fucking lost it. I, I started dying laughing all by myself. What the hell, what in the blue hell is a veterinarian going to do with a fucking Ed 209 looking alien? Like, I'm pretty sure they didn't cover this in veterinarian school. <laughs> I think I can help. I'm a veterinarian. So they start digging into the thing and they go through like a bunch of, I don't know, levels of biology it's fucking stupid it doesn't matter but they finally get to the 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 uh nougaty center and uh aaron eckhart goes oh it's it's just to the right of where the heart would be they, they repeat this several times he tells the whole unit aim aim your fire just to the right of where the heart would be okay would what do you mean would be like would be in comparison to a human because if so, that's dead center in your chest. And why weren't you shooting there in the first place? Uh, it and then it it all it just never comes back. That that topic never comes back. They just they went from basically indestructible until they dissected one, and now their guns work against them. It's it's just stupid and silly. Um, but I guess it was a good thing they had a veterinarian on hand because uh, she really saved the day on that one. Um, so they get out of there. They get a they get a, a bus. Um, oh, the, there's a guy in the unit who can hotwire a bus because he's from New Jersey. You see, so uh, that means that he can hotwire buses, I guess. And uh, they figure out while they're on this bus. I was like, oh, we're watching Speed now. Now, now we have a bus going through Los Angeles. Um, so now it's Speed. Uh, and they figure out that the radio signals is how the aliens are tracking them. So they have to turn off all their radios, except for that multiple times for the rest of the movie, they use their radios. Uh, so this is like a, a, a plot point that was really inconsistent, uh, but it did result in a cool scene. So Aaron Eckhart realizes that it's the radios and he goes fucking rogue and he runs out of the bus and he goes over to a gas station and he sets up a radio and uh, the, the aliens, who now have spaceships, uh, by the way, we were told that they didn't, but they do, and their spaceships are kind of rad. They come over to the gas station and he hucks a grenade over there, blows up the whole gas station, blows up the, the ship. Why in movies is there not like a concussive force from explosions or heat that actually causes harm to the star of the movie who is right outside of the explosion. Like, it, it, like there's always the, the, the cool guy walk away from explosions, but also there's like this, where the star is right up against a massive gas station explosion and nothing happens to them. Like they have a couple of cuts on their face or whatever. But he, he, he does like a real heroic thing and he gets back on the, the bus and his hands are trembling and the, the young uh, candy ass lieutenant is like, wow, that was some real John Wayne shit. I thought this was a really good scene from Aaron Eckhart, like the, the shaking hands, like he seemed genuinely um, uh, like emotionally scarred, like, like his adrenaline was pumping so hard that he was just like frayed from it. I'm, I'm not gonna lie, Aaron Eckhart was was fucking great in this movie. He, uh, I don't, I don't, there was like a, there was like a three or four year period after the dark Knight where Hollywood tried to make him a leading man. And they put him in like Frankenstein and this, and a couple of other things where he was like the, the, the big swinging dick of the movie. 
it just didn't take off for whatever reason. But he's a he's a really good actor. Like I want to see him in in roles where he gets to act and not have to be like action guy. I think if you have a big cleft chin uh, and like a like a jawline, that they just have to put you in these kind of movies. Like if you just have a crater in the bottom of your face, they're like put a gun in his hands and make him scream military bullshit. Um, they're, so they're, I don't know how, I don't, I was literally looking right at this movie. I was staring at it and I was taking notes. There's a bunch of kids now with them. Like, like I I know Michael Pena had a kid, but there's like seven kids with them. And I have no clue where these kids came from, but they need to, to repel them off of an overpass. And they're in the middle of a gunfight while that's happening. I swear Three or four people from the military unit died in this scene. Like, uh, I just wrote down Glasses and Mustache. I didn't catch any of their names. Uh, And I wrote down, oh, Glasses and Mustache just died. Like, one of them fell off the overpass and another one got crushed by a car. And And then those guys are just back later on in the movie. I don't know if I got it wrong or if the movie got it wrong. I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess I did because I'm an idiot, but the the cast is just impossible to tell apart is is my point um the the lieutenant goes and plants a bunch of uh bombs c4 on on the vehicles because now there is an alien that is a a living grenade launcher basically it's a megatron from transformers it's like a, a alien who is a gun like it's a walking gun and it looks like a PlayStation 2 game. It looks so unbelievably bad. Like, the cast was probably just looking at nothing and shooting at nothing for months on end making this movie. Um, it, it, it looks it, it looks like, like I said, it looks like somebody made it on their iPhone. Um, and uh, and the, the lieutenant, like, sacrifices himself and he blows up the bus... Um, and then there's a bunch of questions about Aaron Eckhart's ethics because he had a troop that had died under his watch in the past. Like, just trope, 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 tropey trope, tropes. Um, and then uh, they, have to, they have to hold up in, a, in like a drugstore or something while Michael Pena's dying. Never got attached to that character. Uh, couldn't care less. Like, I just made the assumption everyone except for Aaron Eckhart was going to die in this movie. Uh, and, uh, he does die, obviously. And then Aaron Eckhart has to be the, the father figure to his son and, and basically tells him like, you know, you can't quit cause Marines don't quit. And I was like, oh, he's indoctrinating this kid. Like this is obviously going to be a generational war. And now they have to indoctrinate the young into, into the military. So this is the very first one. Like this is your, your John Connor, basically. Like, if they make a bunch of sequels to this movie, that kid is going to be the the general in the future. Um, and uh, because because Aaron Eckhart left the you know baby lieutenant to die, they start questioning his ethics, and he has this really good monologue where he starts uh, basically challenging the. Somebody in his unit is the brother of somebody that was in his unit that died. And so he has to tell this guy, like, that he actually does care because they think that he doesn't. And he starts listing off all of the names, ranks, and ID numbers of, of everyone that was in that unit that died. And it's it's actually, like, a quality scene. Like I said, I want to see Aaron Eckhart in, like, acting. I want to see him do uh, uh, Tarantino and Scorsese movies 
Like I want to see he's he's actually perfect for somebody that Tarantino could like resurrect. Um, he has a tendency to do that. This dude is a legit actor. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna look into some more stuff that he's done. Um, so after after his monologue, they go get Hummers or like a Humvee, and then they just start running over the aliens because now they're they're getting easier to kill as the movie goes on. And I swear to God, I heard raccoon noises at one point when they ran over one of the aliens. Like, the, the raccoon noises from, uh, like, the great outdoors. Like, I, I don't... The, the sound effects were pretty pretty uh, inconsistent, to say the least. Um, they get finally to the, uh, the FOB, the FOB, whatever it is. And they find out that it's been overrun. It's been uh, uh, demolished. And that Los Angeles as a whole is going to be abandoned. So Eckhart gets the uh, third act hero guts, um, the determined look on his face. He takes the letter from the lieutenant that, that to his wife and he hands it off to Michelle Moynihan and he says, give this to his wife. She doesn't know him or his wife. And she's like, yeah, sure thing. Got it. I was like that. What what in the actual fuck? Like, no, he gave that to you to give to his wife, presumably who you've met. Uh, and she does not know his wife. His wife, the whole world is blown to shit. His wife is most likely dead. Why are we doing this, like, 1940s movie of, like, give this letter to my loved ones? Anyways, he repels down into the city, presumably by himself, but then... The whole unit joins him because they're in solidarity now. It is the dead of night. They go underground for five minutes and they pop up and it's high noon. I, uh, no explanation there. I got I got nothing. Uh, and then they have they have a they have a fight. They got to do the, the the end of this movie is the same as uh, uh, what's the Paulie Shore movie uh, in the army now that. <laughs> It's the same ending as in the army now. They find the uh, radar the antenna of the aliens and they have to uh, paint it, like infrared paint it and hold the hold the little signal on it and wait for the airstrike. It's exactly the same as in the army now. Uh, and they do. Success. They blow up the antenna. And then the Technodrome from Ninja Turtles pops out of the ground and they have to paint that and airstrike that, and they do. Um, and then uh, success, right? Except for the whole world is on fire. So they get taken back to the base, and uh, they're like, get some food and rest up, and then you'll go back out. But they don't, because they're too fucking heroic. So they got to load up on more grenades and ammo, and they're going straight back out without eating, because movie characters don't need sleep or food, and they're too badass and too american and then that's where the movie ends um this movie definitely thought it was going to have a bunch of sequels and it didn't um okay that is the plot i am going to take a break rest my voice a little bit this is actually turning out to be a little more challenging without danielle than i thought it was going to be and she deserves a raise uh so we're going to take a break going to pay some bills and then i'll be right back with the awards all right, so I have got some trivia and I've got some awards for you guys. So uh, just a slight bit of trivia. So uh, according to Aaron Eckhart, this was his funnest and toughest film to make, and he wants to be part of sequels. Um, so apparently this was more fun 
to make than uh the dark knight um and uh whatever else he's in i don't i don't know too many other movies i can think of that i've seen him in um most of this movie was filmed in louisiana if you were watching this and thinking to yourself hey none of this looks like los angeles like i was you were right because it was louisiana and they tried to recreate some sets and put you know um beach murals on overpasses didn't didn't fool me and then uh the other thing is that Shane Black did an uncredited uh, script uh, revision on this. Shane Black, if you don't know, wrote Predator and uh, the Lethal Weapon movies. And he basically is responsible for 80s and 90s action for the most part. I think he probably has the biggest piece of the pie chart when it comes to the writing and directing of those movies. Once I learned that, I was like, oh, okay. That's why everything about this movie is an 80s, 80s, 90s action trope. Like, literally the whole movie. And I guarantee he was the reason for that. And I'm not complaining. I, it's, it, 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 that's, like, the fun part. That's the fun stuff. Okay, now I'm going to get into the awards. So, first off, I got my bold statement. This is a, a, an opinionated stance on the movie. Uh, Battle of Los Angeles is what would happen if Independence Day fucked Armageddon on the sci-fi channel. Uh, the, this, and, and that, I mean that as a compliment, honestly. Like, this movie probably made Michael Bay harder than Chinese algebra. This is right out of 1998, like, waving American flag at the end of a giant boner. <laughs> just, just create an enemy and then send America in to win the day. And then you have a cast of people you don't, know or care about but the movie thinks that you're in love with them and lots of heroic music that's all you need then you got yourself a good goddamn time uh the worst line um th there's a there's a running theme on good bad to the sequel that the best lines and worst lines are sometimes really hard to tell apart but this is my worst line Aaron Eckhart drags a basketball Ed 209 into into the hideout and he's like we have to dissect it so I can learn how to kill it and then there's a, a beat and then maybe I can help. I'm a veterinarian. I, the, the, the dialogue in this movie doesn't really matter. That was the one line that I actually lost my shit laughing at. Um, so stupid. Uh, the best line uh, is uh, Aaron Eckhart's speech. His, um, his uh, I care about my, my Marines speech where he lists off everyone in his unit that had died. That was actually, like, quality acting. That scene belonged in, like, um, Saving Private Ryan or something like that. It definitely wasn't from this movie. Uh, I would I would actually re-watch that, that monologue just on YouTube or something. I thought it was really, really good. Um, the worst performance? Man, the, the unintelligible military jargon screaming and the handheld camera. And then the two combined a lot of the time. There was, there was, this is about a two hour movie. And there was so much runtime of this movie, like maybe even half, where I couldn't see what was going on and I couldn't hear what was being said. It's just a, a bunch of like screaming at the top of their lungs of, of um, numbers and letters and and there's the camera is shaking all over the place and it's smoky so you are just sitting there with motion sickness 
and no idea what's happening. And I get that that's sort of what a combat situation might, might actually be like. But this is a fucking alien movie. I don't need it to be saving Private Ryan and give me the feeling of what war is really like. I want to see what's happening with shooting aliens. And I could not tell what was going on. It reminded me of the, the, um, the style that Born Identity invented that then the Taken movies and, and the, the James Bonds of that era bastardized of that choppy super wavy like handheld camera edited like quick 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 cuts where you can't tell what's going on it, it was really unpleasant actually to sit through some of that stuff my most valuable player so this award we usually give out to the person in this movie who thinks that they're gonna win an oscar and doesn't realize that they're in a bad movie and it's not generally the star of the movie in this instance that person is the star of the movie Aaron Eckhart fucking kills in this movie. He's, he is out for an Oscar in Battle Los Angeles. Um, 1,000%. He, if this is a race against the rest of the cast of this movie, he's lapping them 5, 10 times over. Without him in this movie, this is one of the worst movies that we've covered on this show, honestly. But because of him, it actually is mostly fun. Um, with the exception of just kind of being hard to look at a lot of the time. He is so good in this movie. And like I said, I'm going to look him up and see if he has some other like really quality stuff that I can, that I can dive into. The unredeemable moment has to be just all of the CGI. The, the design of the aliens and anything where they're CGI, it just looks so bad. Like so, so, so bad. Um, my favorite part is the uh, gas station radio decoy grenade scene. Like, that, that was the most uh, viewable, take, takenable, um, palatable part. It was, you know, it was clever and it looked okay. Like uh, that, was, that was one of the parts where I kind of like popped for the hero. Um, my better title, um, I've got two. I've got Troop Tropes. And War of the Words, because you can't understand a goddamn thing that's being said in this movie for almost all of it. And then lastly, but not leastly, uh, is this movie good, bad, or just bad? Whew, man, I, I didn't write anything down here. I didn't, I didn't circle anything, and I was kind of planning to talk it out and make a decision uh, as, as I was talking about it. Um, you know what? I'm going to... I'm going to do something for the first time on the show, and I'm going to give it neither. Um, this movie isn't good, bad, or just bad. It, it just happened. It, it, it literally just took place, and there's almost nothing other than Aaron Eckhart to even uh, try to remember or that will go down in history. There's, there's nothing striking about this movie as, like, super fun or or it's not boring and it's not fun it's nothing um this movie may as well not have existed um ex you know it didn't propel Aaron Eckhart so it basically didn't exist um so I'm gonna give this the very first nothing award uh on good bad to the sequel okay that's it for my first attempt at a solo run. Hopefully uh, you're not sick of hearing my voice yet. I tried to keep it to a minimum. Uh, 
short run time here. Get at us at The Good Bad Show. Follow us on Instagram um, so that you can vote on next week's movies. Um, send us some suggestions and, uh, and we can try to get a new genre going next week. We've been on the disaster kick the last couple of weeks. So we'll get a new genre going next week. So go uh, at The Good Bad Show and we'll get some new stuff up next week. Danielle will be back next week. Um, she's got a brand new sexy ass car. Follow her um, at Danielle Cast, and she'll probably show that off. She's been sending me pictures all weekend, so I'm sure she'll post a few. Um, and we will catch you guys next time. Peace. <laughs>